0: We'll try and spread the wealth with our next guest. He covers the NFL draft for ProFootballNetwork.com. I had him on my uh, streaming show a couple of weeks ago, did a great job talking draft with me there, so I asked him to do so here on CBS Sports Radio with us as well. Ian Cummings joins me on CBS Sports Radio. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing
1: great, man. I love the, uh, you know, round one gets all the hype, I agree, but there's six more rounds, and one of my favorite parts of the draft cycle is finding guys in that round four to round seven range, finding those gems in the rough, man, that's the, that's the beauty of it, right, so we're, we got one week left, it feels, it feels surreal, honestly, you know, so many months leading up to it, building up to it, so many mock drafts, right, but we got four days left now, and it's, you know, it's, we're right on the home stretch.
0: It's getting close. We'll have some fun starting on Thursday. All right. uh, Usually when I start with this, we talk about round one and uh, the depth of the draft and everything. I got a real specific question because for the third or fourth time, I read the same exact line about a particular player. And it annoyed me the first time I read it and just continues to annoy me even more. Derek Stingley. Some people believe this. Most people believe second-best cornerback in the draft. Most have Sauce Gardner rated as number one, then Derek, then a whole bunch of other good corners. Corners a pretty good position in this draft, as a matter of fact. But most people have him at number two. I have one buddy who actually says he still thinks he's the best cornerback in the draft, and I'm darn close to agreeing with that. This kid was unbelievable three years ago in 2019, and people thought he was going to be an unquestioned top-five pick. And I've read, i got to say, four or five different places. But he hasn't done anything. He hasn't made plays since 2019. He hasn't looked like someone who deserves to be a top 10 pick since 2019. Well, he didn't play in 2020. He's one of the players that opted out. Uh, Last time I checked, Jamar Chase didn't make any plays in 2020 either. But it didn't keep the Bengals from picking him where they picked him and help him get to the World Series. This year, he played three games before he got hurt. So when was he supposed to make these plays to impress scouts over the last two years when he chose to take a year off with COVID? And if you want to question that, you can. But again, let me remind you, nobody questions Jamar Chase and rightfully shouldn't have. And the guy got hurt this year. Why the hate for Derek Stingley?
1: Yeah, you know, personally looking at what I see on tape, I feel like a lot of people look at the ball production in his freshman year, 2019, and they look at, you know, oh, it hasn't been that way since. He did play in 2020, but, you know, the ball production wasn't quite there, only had five pass deflections in, you know, I think seven games played because it was a shortened season. But you look at the tape, man. you you got to look at the tape. That's where it starts, especially for a position like corner, where sometimes the best reps are when guys aren't throwing your way. And I think that's a, a big key for Derek Stingley is that you look at what he can do in the short ranges, you know, that short area agility, that athleticism. He's an elite athlete when it comes to matching guys. You know, it's very tough to do. You got to be sleep-footed. You got to be fluid. You got to be able to recover quickly. He has all that. And then when wide receivers get a step on him, he can turn and run with them like the best of them, upfield, you know, can match them, can stick to them, and really, you know, create – there's there's not a lot of space there if you're a quarterback. If you try and test him, he's got elite ball skills too. So I think – a lot of what we've seen from Stingley, and even this year when he was healthy, which was p- for a pretty short span of time, right, because the foot injury, but even when he was healthy, you look at, you know, people are kind of highlighting the, the missed tackles, which that's one of the bigger problems in his game, but you really can't knock the coverage. You still can't knock the coverage. In 2019, as a true freshman, he was an absolute technician already. I mean, you're seeing him use that kick slide to match guys outside of their stances. You're seeing him, you know, match them, stay patient, and press, and wait till he jams, until he's got his base set. You know, all these little details that he already has grasped as a young player. And you look at what he can do, what he can become when he's fully healthy and has time to, you know, grow and develop. I'm a huge fan. You know, I think right now what we're seeing is, is maybe we're overthinking this guy. And I think his pro day was a pretty good example of that. He tested out of this world. Still very good athleticism. Uh, had, I think, a 38-inch vertical without very good technique either. He, he could have swung his arms a little more. So the guy is a freak. You know, shorter arms again. But you're, anything that you pick out, you're kind of nitpicking. I think what you're looking for. Are those soft skills that you can use to match guys off the line? The ball skills, the playmaking ability, the football IQ—it's all there with him. So he, it's him and Andrew Booth for me on an island at the top. Sauce Gardner's up there too, Kyrie Elam's up there too. But Derek Stingley to me, you know, is just one of the most well-rounded corners in this class. And I don't—I don't think a, a few medical questions, you know, production questions—I don't think it changes that because you look at the tape and he's still matching guys as well as he did in 2019.
0: How do you compare this uh, year's draft positionally, uh, safety? uh, Excuse me, corner, as compared to safety or wide receiver? If we're putting the skill position defense against the skill position offense, which is the best grouping: wide receivers, corners, safeties, tight ends?
1: It's a tough question, man, because you could make a case for all of them. I think. I think uh, if I had to narrow down two, I'd say. Corner and wide receiver will probably be the ones that stick out. Safety is very good, very deep class. But I look at corner and wide receiver; they're both very deep too, and I think they do have a little bit more top end talent. Safety is good because you have Kyle Hamilton, obviously, who gets all you know he gets all the buzz and rightfully so. He's a very good player. But he's a, he's a specific mold of safety. You know, I think a nuance that goes overlooked with safety is that there's a lot of different types, right? So yep. you're looking for the type that fits your team, you know, like Kyle Hamilton, you can put him in the box and put him in too high, big slot, right? But if you need a guy who can play single high, then maybe you want Lewis If you want a guy who can play corner, you know, shade out to the boundary on occasion, maybe you want from Hill. So there's a lot of different flavors. And so that's, it's not going to match every team. So that's why it might be a little more sparse in that area because you know, while there may be three top safeties, you you may only have one on your board that really fits what you want them to do, right? So, I go to corner, and I think there's a lot of depth to that position, a lot of, you know, different molds as well, but a lot of top-end talent, too. I mean, Stingley, Booth, Gardner, Elam, even McDuffie, you know, Caldera-Gordon, you know, there's a lot of potential first-round talent there that I absolutely love. I think wide receiver as well. I mean, you look at that position, I would probably air wide receiver if I had to pick one, just because I think the wide receiver class is a little bit deeper. Now, that's you know, it's saying a lot, right, because they're both pretty deep. I think you can find potential starters on day three, early day three, even, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. But I look at wide receiver, you know, obviously Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, the two Ohio State guys, very good. Jameson Williams with the the game-breaking speed. And if, you know, if reports are true that he's, you know, expected to make a full recovery and that he's, you know, ahead of schedule, then teams are going to be, I think, jumping the bit to try and trade up for him because he's a phenomenal talent. Trey Burris, Drake London, you're looking at him, you know, it's a, a ton of talented wide receivers. And then you go down the board, I mean, guys like Alec Pierce, Jahan Dotson, George Pickens, uh, it, the list goes on and on. And you could go all the way to day three, where you could get a guy that slips down the board. We saw Amon Ross, St. Brown last year. You know, I had him as the top 50 guy. He falls to round four. The wide receiver position is so saturated with talent right now, where that's going to happen every year. You're going to have guys like that that you can snag up. So I love both of these position groups. I think wide receiver and corner, two very important position groups for the modern NFL. Uh, so very good opportunity there. But if I had to pick one receivers, that takes the case. It's, it's uh, very deep. I, I got a
0: receiver specific question for you, a guy you didn't mention, and a guy who I don't know if you'd rank him in the. I know you wouldn't rank him in the top five or six, but I, he'd be in my top 10, and I'm not sure everybody else has him ranked that way. Uh, Last year I watched uh, probably every Alabama game that was played because I was a huge proponent of Devontae Smith from the year before. I thought he was coming out and was going to be their best wide receiver. He decided to stay, and his teammates went out. And had okay, first couple of years in the season, Devontae ends up with the Eagles. I get to watch him every single week now, uh, and I'm a huge fan. So I watched his year when he won the Heisman Trophy. You can't ask for much more than that. And almost any time the ball was thrown, I was believing it was going to be to him. And a whole bunch of times it was to John Mechie. And I would see these great catches and not catch the number on the back. And then after, oh, wow, it wasn't Smith. It was Mechie who made the play. Damn, he got behind the defense like that. He didn't have as big a year this year as I thought he was going to be. Then he got hurt at the end of the year. But his year previous at Alabama, I thought was really eye-opening. And I see most people rank him eighth, ninth in their wide receivers Where is he going? What kind of pro do you think Matty's going to be when he does land in the NFL?
1: Yeah, he's one of those guys. And I think the way you said it is perfect because he's one of those guys where, you know, last year it was Devontae Smith that kind of overshadowed him. And this year it was the the emergence of Jameson Williams that kind of overshadowed him. But he was quietly very productive in both years kind of beside those guys, kind of as a sidekick, right? Now he's looking to make a name for himself in the NFL. I think he can do that. And I think, you know, Interestingly enough, I think the role that he has in the NFL might be similar. You know, like I maybe I never see him being the absolute alpha, the number one guy. But if you're an NFL offense, you know, you need more than one weapon. You know, it's a cohesive unit. You need these wide receivers to play off of each other. And I think that John Mechie you know, has a very high floor skill set to me. He's actually a good athlete. Like you said, he has enough speed to get downfield, get behind defensive backs. He's got good explosiveness. You know, and the thing that stands out to me though is at the line, the work that he does at the line. And I think it's very sustainable to the next level. The re- the release package that he has, being able to generate displacement with those lateral moves, you know, he can eat the defensive back's cushion and then cut inside, very manipulative with how he positions himself and how he uses his space. So I love that part of his game. He's got good hands. I think he could, he could improve the hand technique a little bit at times. There's sometimes where he bobbles it, you know, can do a better job of keeping that diamond, you know, and just letting the ball kind of flow in. But I do think, you know, he has a lot of the foundational traits. Not the biggest guy, right? And I think that's going to knock him down a little bit for some teams. But I do think with his release package, he can win on the boundary or in the slot. He can move him around, be a flexible mix-and-match piece uh, that can really be, you know, provide flexibility to your offense. You know, at the end of the day, you know, if, if you got two bigger guys out there, you know, maybe you want to move him around. Mechie's a guy who can go anywhere and really win. You know, he's not like that over, overly dynamic player but a very solid player who, you know, you look at these guys and they're turning out 1,000-yard seasons year in and year, year out. You don't know why. You don't know how. They just do. I think Mechie can be that steady playmaker for your offense. You know, not going to be a game-breaker, but he can separate. He can make catches, and he can get some run after catch, too. So he's a very solid player. You know, if I'm a team that needs security and kind of, you know, dependability of wide receiver, he's probably one of the first names that I'm looking at on day two.
0: Because he wasn't that big a guy, that's why I would get him confused with Devontae Smith, because he isn't that big a guy either. And, oh, by the way, he had a 900-yard rookie season, and I think is going to be very good for the Eagles for years to come. Ian Cummings, I guess, from uh, ProFootballNetwork.com. On his site, he has a full seven-round mock, if you want to check it out. And I'll get to the third, fourth, and fifth round with him here in just a second. But i got one more first-round question for you. Defensive tackle. Much like you stated with the uh, safety, it depends on how you want to use them, what kind of defense you're going to play. There are some players that would be a better fit for a different type of defense and just a general defense. And I think the same can be said for defensive tackle, certainly the difference between 3-4 four, and 4-3 four, teams, but even some like to play guys directly on top of the nose or so want to play in the gap. Uh, everybody loved Jordan Davis, the big defensive tackle, who really wowed him at the combine. His size is athleticism. But some people believe his teammate, Devonta Wyatt, is just as good a defensive tackle as he is. If those two guys are the top two, Travis Jones of UConn, believe it or not, is probably the third DT, and then you could go on further down the list. How much separation is there between the top three, four, five defensive tackles in this draft?
1: There's really not much. And I can tell you that it's really up to preference. You know, it it sounds like a cop out, right? Like it sounds like I'm not trying to, I'm trying to sit on the fence, right? But it's true. There is, it it is very much up to preference. If you're a team that needs that three tech who can win those one on one matchups, then maybe you want a guy like Perry and Winfrey or Javante White. If you're looking for that elite two gapper, you know, who can, you know, occupy blocks and free up those three techs, then maybe you're looking for Jordan Davis. If you're looking for a nose tackle, you know, a zero tech who actually has a little more pass rushing upside. Maybe you're looking for Travis Jones. You can move him around a little bit, a little more alignment versatile than Jordan Davis. There's a lot of different molds, like you said, and I think that's the beauty of the draft is that there are going to be different choices. If you're looking for that three tech, who can kind of shade out to five tech and be that big edge if you need them to. Logan Hall, maybe. So a lot of different, you know, a lot of different options in regards to the, the separation between them. They're all pretty close on my board. You know, like I I think it's close enough where, you know, it it really depends on the role that you want for them. I think with Jordan Davis, especially for the Eagles, we know they do like to use 4 3 under fronts. That's something that they're going to use Sasan Redick in a lot. You know, they like that. And 4 3 under is interesting because it's labeled as a 4 3, but you've got that strong side DE. You've got that three tech. You've got that nose tackle who's occupying those blocks. And then you have the edge rusher out in space on the other side right so it's an interesting alignment but it's one that Jonathan gannon likes to use and so having jordan davis the guy who can free up those players could be very valuable again maybe not a full full down role and that's that's where the the value gets questioned from me in round one i would probably prefer travis jones in round two because i do think that you know jordan davis is a elite athlete all right let's not get that twisted he's very talented but sometimes it does it doesn't quite translate on tape as much as you'd want you know he's still he's a massive guy all right he's like six six three forty all right so he's a big dude he sometimes struggles with the weight transfer you know with kind of carrying his weight forward doesn't always get that elite explosiveness that we saw in testing on tape off the line of pass rushing. And then his hand usage is very much a work in progress. And, you know, I don't want to say it's almost non-existent, but there's very, there's a lot of work to do because right now, you know, if he's not getting that elite immediate power disruption, then his rushes me pretty quickly. They, they fade out pretty quickly. And then he's not on top of that. He's not a full-down player. He wasn't playing, you know, even barely 50% of the downs of Georgia. So there's a lot to take into account for sure it just depends on what you're looking for but Travis Jones you know pass rushing is actually graded higher for me and considerably higher because he's got that arm over he can club guys he's got that lateral agility he's a lot more amped up of a player you know Jordan Davis he's powerful for sure he's very strong all right and he is very very hard to move I think Travis Jones again is very dense he's very powerful but maybe not quite that rock in the middle that Jordan Davis is. So it's really what you're looking for. It's really up to preference. And, you know, if you're looking for a guy with more pass rushing upside, then I can see Jones being the pick too. But if if it's Jones, I would prefer him in round two, but I think the value is better there than it is with Davis in round one.
0: Understood. All right, let's get to the quarterback position. Do any of those draftable quarterbacks this year have a legit first-round grade from Ian Cummings?
1: The answer is no. No, and I, I'm still working through finalizing a couple of them, but it's pretty. It's looking pretty clear that you know none of them. They do have talent for sure. Like I shouldn't say that it's not like a bad class. We could look back in four years and say these guys panned out. These guys have ended up winning their team's games. You never truly know what's going to happen, but looking at the class where it is right now, I can confidently say that. You know, last year you had Trevor Lawrence, you had, you know, Justin Fields, you had Trey Lance, you had Zach Wilson, you know, guys who were a lot more regarded a lot more highly. I think Lawrence was kind of the, the, the top quarterback in that group where he had the athletic talent, he had the arm talent, but he also had great mechanics. You know, he also showed good processing on the field. You know, with this quarterback group, it's a lot of they either have one thing or the other, but they don't have everything. Like I just finished uh, finalizing Malik Willis, actually, and arm talent, you know, he's got it. He has a very strong arm, very elastic arm where he can change his arm angles and generate velocity. Uh, And then athletically, I mean, it speaks for itself. He is an elite athlete and an elite creator at the quarterback position. Uh, He graded very well for me in those areas. But every other area that's important to quarterback play, like pocket discipline, like, you know, processing, like, you know, accuracy and placement, he was, you know, average and, and mediocre in some of those, too, you know, so mechanics as well. So quarterback is not just about the physical traits. Obviously it's very important and the physical traits can separate the long-term starters from the backups. Right. But you need a lot more to operate at the quarterback position in the NFL. And then looking out to other guys, it's kind of a similar picture with a different framework, right? Like Kenny Pickett, you know, I I think the mechanics are a lot better with him. I think he's really good at snapping back to congruence, even if his process isn't perfect, Uh, but he, he doesn't have an elite arm. You know, he's very athletic. Uh, he's a, a lot more athletic than people give him credit for. And I think his arm is pretty elastic, but he doesn't quite have that arm strength to generate elite velocity, hit those tight windows in the NFL. That could limit his ceiling. So that's something to take into account, too. Desmond Ritter, again, you know, I think he has a good arm. Is it elite? I'm not quite sure. He's a very good athlete. The mechanics are what he lacks. He's, he's very inconsistent from a mechanical standpoint, and that can erode his process a lot. Sam Howell, kind of a similar deal. You know, you look at, you know, after the first read, very inconsistent. When he's, when he's encountering pressure, he can drop his eyes a lot. And then at the same time, the mechanics, he drops his back foot a lot. That can cause passes to sail. You know, and the Matt Corral as well. You know, the Ole Miss offense, kind of was like training wheels for him. He never really got outside of that first read. A lot of schemed reads, and you wonder what he can do as a, you know, independent processor at the NFL level. I'm not so. I'm not confident in what he can do if you get if you put more on his plate. So there's a lot of questions with this group. A lot of talent for sure. A lot of physical talent. I don't think any of these guys are you know in dire lacking of physical talent. But there's a lot of uncertainty and far more uncertainty than I would be willing to have if I'm taking a guy around one.
0: Yeah, I'm not a Sam Howell guy. I am a Matt Corral guy, and I don't understand how some people have Howell ranked ahead of Corral. It doesn't make any sense to me. But we'll see how it plays out. All right, uh, your favorite part. Give me the day three guy. Give me a couple. Give me a specific position. Give me a guy that uh, I'm not going to go to the Tom Brady sixth round, going to be one of the best ever at his position or, or at all time. But just give me a couple of guys who a few years from now will be saying, damn, how did he fall to day three?
1: A couple guys, man. That's tough, man, because I, like, I got at least a dozen floating in my head. So I all right,
0: take that dozen, cut it in half. Now you got six. Now cut that in half. Give me your top three.
1: There we go. There we go. I like that. We'll do that. That's, that's mathematically. I like that. It's simple. Uh, <laughs> the first one that comes to mind, and I've tweeted about this guy a lot. I, I talk about him a lot. It's to the point where, you know, I was uncomfortably high, at him, uh, high on him, but I, I'm at the point where I'm trusting what I see. Uh, Texas Tech wide receiver Eric Ezukanma. Now, I think one reason that the hype isn't quite where it should be with him is that he doesn't have elite production. He never got more than 50 catches or 750 yards in a season at Texas Tech. But I look at the physical traits. Six foot two, 209 pounds, 33 and a half inch arms. So he has an elite catch radius. And when you look at, you know, working downfield, he's an alpha when the ball is in the air. Very strong hands, very good catching instincts, can rise, can time that. You know, and then also in the short range as well. He's a very good run-after-catch threat. He gets the ball on those screens, on those dump-offs, and he can make guys miss with that lateral agility. He's got high-level contact balance. He's a physical runner. He keeps those legs churning. And then he's got some route running upside, too. He's got the hip sink. He's got the stopping ability. So Eric Azucon, to me, is a guy. He's got all the traits that I look for. I look for the three-level threat framework You know, before the catch, at the catch, and after the catch. And at the catch and after the catch, he is very good. He still needs to you know, refine his separation ability as a route runner, but I think all the physical tools are there. So that is a guy that I'm very high on, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in the future because I think that he's got all the natural talent. Uh, if I can do another, Thomas Booker, defensive tackle out of Stanford. Uh, very smart, intelligent player, but you look at what he does on the football field as well. You know, I think that the athleticism, the physical tools are all there for him as well. And at Stanford, he was a really interesting player because he aligned anywhere from five tech to, you know, nose tackle. I think the best fit for him, probably three tech or two wide at the next level, that guy who takes on those one-on-one blocks. But he has all the physical talent that you need to succeed in that role. Looking at his combine performance, 6'3", 301, 494, 40-yard dash, broad jump at 110, right? So he had a relative athletic score of 9.81, which is very good. And it shows up on tape. He's explosive. He's twitchy. He's got power capacity, some upper body torque. He can knock guys off balance. He can club offensive linemen. You know, still kind of refining his game as a pass rusher, but all the physical tools are there. And I think he can two-gap those moving blocks as well. So a big fan of what he has to offer. And then I'll add one more defensive tackle as well. I really like the sleepers and the straps. Uh, Sam Okua Yenonu out of Maryland. He, Ooh,
0: whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! You got to pronounce that again.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's a tough one, man. Okua Yononu is what it is, right? It's got a few syllables in there, but he's a he's a fun player for sure. He's more of a you know he's around I think 6'1", 270, right? So he's kind of an interesting player, and much like Thomas Booker, they they moved him around a lot in Maryland. Uh, he was you know playing on the edge sometimes, playing at three tech. But he is explosive and this dude has crazy lateral twitch for his size. I mean, if you're looking for an interior lineman who can be that pass rushing specialist, I really love what this guy has to offer because he's not just agile and explosive, uh, but he has, you know, he has some arm moves in the, in the, in the arsenal as well. He's got that club. He's got that arm over and he's shown that he can use it in rapid succession. Uh, I think he has a 35 inch vertical at his pro day. So, he definitely has that burst off the line. Again, you can tell with me, you know, on day three, I love to bank on the athletic traits. And if you have some versatility, that's even better. And I think that these three guys in particular, those are a few that come to mind for me. I'll throw one more in just real quick. Devin okay. Conner, George Georgia Tech, offensive tackle, uh, very long, very athletic, has great power capacity. And I think you bank on those traits as well. Could end up working out for you in the long run.
0: We're going to have to call him Sam-O because I'm not even going to try and pronounce uh, the kid from Maryland the way that's you do. That's did. basically what I do right now, yeah. There you go. Call him Sam-O. I call him Ian Cummings. I call him a draft expert, and that's why we called him to come on the show today. Thank you much for sharing. Uh, I will talk to you before the week is over, Ian. Thanks. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Ian Cummings, check out all his work at ProFootballNetwork.com. And, yeah, he's got a seven-round mock draft. Not just first, not just day two, seven-round mock draft up on Pro Football Network. You can check that out right now.